marketing friends, Misty here. Thanks for checking out this very special season of Marketing Sweats. This year marks Samantha's 40th year in business. So to celebrate, we're inviting Samantalites on the podcast to share stories about a project they've worked on that made them proud. We're calling it Point of Pride. In this episode, I'm talking with our Insights Director, Jason Brown. Jason is a very talented researcher and has such a great mind for measurement and analytics. But the story he shares with me today goes beyond the work and is more about people coming together and supporting one another as humans, as friends, when life happens. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome Jason Brown, Samantha's Insights Director to Marketing Sweats. Welcome, Jason. Hello. Good afternoon and glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. I'm so thankful that you're willing to share your point of pride. And obviously, I've shared with you, this is uh, probably one of my more emotional stories, not only because you're one of my very best friends in the whole world, but because you wrote in large part about a body of work that you and I championed together when you just started at Symantle and then also just some pretty amazing events that happened throughout. So thank you. Thank you for just reminding all of us about this phase of your journey and looks looking forward to digging in with you. Glad to talk about it because, as you said, it was a very important part of of my time at Samantle. And, and if I'm being honest, I think it was a huge part of the great working relationship that I have with with not only you, but so many colleagues. It's amazing how sometimes sometimes things happen and in the moment we have no idea what the impact will be, but it can galvanize a lot. Well, let's, before we dig into the story, talk a little bit about you. I love your story and your background. Talk a little bit about your upbringing, maybe a little bit about your schooling, how you worked in the Chicago market before coming to Peoria. Yeah. I mean, talking about myself, it's my <laughs> maybe least favorite thing to do. But for the for the podcast, for Marketing Sweats, I will do anything. I was born and raised in the Rockford, Illinois area. I am the youngest of four children and very, very proud of my siblings. So growing up, uh, had sort of shoes and, and pathways to follow with my siblings. Went through, and, and I'm a proud graduate of Harlem High School. Also, when we talk about following in, in footsteps, two of my older siblings had already gone to Northwestern, which is, is where I went. Very happy to follow in their footsteps there. In college, I actually started out thinking I was going to be a film major. Which is crazy to me. But I, I get it now knowing you because you're a storyteller at heart. I appreciate that. It probably in hindsight was crazy to me too, but uh, <laughs> I love to write. Honestly, writing was, was what attracted me to the film program. And within a couple of years, it became clear that while I still love to write, that chasing that dream was not where my head was at. And so I pivoted. The only thing I could remember my parents saying is that, you know, we'll support you for four years, but you got to get that piece of paper at the end of it. So I did a little soul searching and checking and I pivoted to what sounds like the most generic degree ever. I have a bachelor in communication studies. The program there and in many of my teachers, honestly, I think are, are the reason that I am kind of the person I am. Very curious by nature, love to learn. Some of the classes that I took on paper didn't make a lot of sense, but they've had a big impact. Honestly, the way I met my wife was through a class that neither one of us had to take. But uh, I, I fully believe that make the most out of every situation because you don't know which ones are going to be the important ones. So coming out of that, finished my undergrad and my path to research much the same way. I was looking at jobs in a bunch of different industries and had a decent interview at a market research firm. 
Um, went back for a second interview. I got the job offer and I thought that this would be my Mick job. If that phrase is maybe it's a little dated, but I thought it'd just be my first job. They were interested in me to do qualitative research. And the hilarious thing is within a few months of, of me starting there, I got married. And from the time that I left to get married till four days later, four business days later, when I came back from a mini honeymoon that we took, the two people immediately above me that I reported to had both turned in their letters of notice. So I went from being like really, really young and green and doing almost all qual to, hey, you're going to have to figure this quantitative thing out. But again, believe things happen for a reason, because it became apparent very quickly that while I did love doing qualitative research, numbers were always really easy and, and I understood them and the ability to tell a story, pairing that with an understanding of data is that's kind of where I came into my own. So I love it. Yeah. So I, I've worked, uh, it, as you mentioned, I worked my first 10 years professionally in Chicago for two different market research firms, got opportunities that were way better opportunities than I probably deserved that early in my career. They helped me grow a ton. Yeah. And then I'd mentioned my wife once she had finished her training and we started looking at opportunities for her for work, Peoria became a destination that was a possibility. It would get us closer to her family and grandparents and support for our children. And so when we were moving to Peoria, again, I didn't know a whole lot about it, but me being wired the way I am, I said, hey, let's take a shot. And so through the personal network, somehow my resume, I think, made it to Symantle. And even that's kind of an interesting story about my experience of joining Symantle. So first of all, before I, I let you tell the story of your first interview, because that always cracks me up. I mean, obviously, knowing you were a Northwestern grad was huge. Very interested in your experience, you know, working on some pretty major brands over multi-year tracking studies. You know, I think one thing we all love about Jason Brown is that he truly is this creature of both right and left brain. So he totally gets the number side, but he loves being creative and storytelling. So I think that's one of the reasons we were so attracted to bringing you on board. But tell us about your interview and how you had no idea what you were interviewing for and how sort of disorganized we are. It's my favorite. At this point, uh, at least a couple of the a couple of the major players aren't here to defend themselves. So like any good legend, it will continue to grow. <laughs> I had gotten my resume over to Samantle. I knew that I was coming in for an in-person interview because I you know, was going to be in the area. And I asked, how long should I plan for? And they said, oh, usually these things go an hour, no more than an hour and a half. I, being me, I didn't actually ask who I was going to interview with. But I get there that day and I end up interviewing with with two individuals, with Misty and with another director at the time, Andrew Tuma. As I mentioned, I love to be sort of involved and sort of immerse myself in the moment, but also professionally and paid to sort of observe the situation and kind of read the room. And I've never been in another interview where I, as the person who is applying for a job, is actually watching two people on the other side of the table kind of jostle over them. I was in the interview for almost the full hour and a half, and I would say about 15 to 20 minutes of that was one of them asking me a question, one or the other asking me a question, and at least an hour of it was the two of them trying to sort of duke it out over whose team or whose responsibilities I would better fit with. That's so then, funny. 
then the most semantical payoff of all of it is you guys were right in the midst of of some fairly large initiative. So I had the interview, and even though it was was a bit different, unorthodox, I'm like, I think it went pretty well. I think that they get me. I then didn't hear anything for two weeks. I later found out that wasn't wasn't a reflection of me. But anyhow, after that, I had a second interview. I came in. I met with with a couple of the then owners, Susie and Maggie, and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. Well, anybody who knows Misty and Andrew together, it's no doubt that we were probably driving you crazy in that meeting. But I love that story. Talk a little bit about once you came on board, sort of what some of your earliest memories are, even before the Napide story. Certainly, I think we ended up bringing you on in a research role. And then over time, your career grew into more of a marketing analytics role. But tell me what you thought of Symantle coming from a research company. To go back real quick to something that you mentioned, it clearly couldn't have driven me too crazy as I've been here for 10 years and have every intention of staying as long as you will have me. So I think if anything, it highlighted that it's my kind of people. We may not have everything perfectly figured out at the jump, but we will figure it out. In terms of my early memories of of Samantle, the previous two places that I'd worked, I was part of the, I'll say I was part of the 90%. I was a researcher at research firms. And a lot of the people thought the way I did, they did similar things to what I did. When I got to Samantle, especially when I got there, it's not as if Samantle hadn't done research before, but it was one of the first times that Samantle had a dedicated researcher and, and was looking to do research as a discipline. And so there were, I think there were a little bit of growing pains. I think that early on when we're a shop that has a historic creative backbone, sometimes folks who are creative can be a little scared. Like, is research going to stifle me? Are they going to sort of say something that, that I don't agree with? But I think that once pretty early on, once it became clear that I wasn't here for, for that, <laughs> that that's actually not the way I'm wired, some of my strongest advocates within the company have, have come from the creative ranks. I also remember some of the early, really early opportunities of just getting to meet some of our different clients, working through some things. We had a project my first year, we were doing a project that was primarily qualitative work with a an association. So it was very early one of my opportunities to kind of get out on the road. And it was a great eye-opener for me that even though I hadn't done qual in quite a while, it was good to kind of dust off some of those qualitative chops. And it's honestly something that I, I do a fair amount still to this day at Samantha. Yeah. I remember that now that you describe it that way, I had led research and strategy for a while. And, and most of our research at that time was outsourced, right? But then we brought you in and you had this wealth of experience of how to design studies and questionnaires and what good quant actually looks like. Not that we weren't doing good work before, but I want to acknowledge, Jason, how much you've grown in 10 years, how much you've helped craft this area of our business. And I think I'll get a ton of client work because of it, because we do all this in-house now with your leadership. So good for you. Thank you for all you've done in that space. I appreciate that. So let's pivot a little bit. I have tons of questions about what you're doing today, but I want to talk about your story. So you're about a year in and we get this awesome opportunity to work on this NAPITE account together. When I think back to that stage of your career, you had so many questions about the inner workings of Samantle. I had been here quite a while at that point. We had lots of car trips together and road trips, and that's when our friendship really started to grow. But set the stage for us a little bit. What were you working on? And tell us a little bit about your point of pride. As you mentioned, I'd been here a little over a year. 
I had done, I don't want it to sound like I hadn't done anything in my first year, but a lot of it had been sort of smaller projects, getting to know clients or, or different types of work. I'd done a fair amount of work for the agency, but this was one of my first initiatives where it honestly, I think it was telling for where I felt a lot of passion within the agency. It was one of the first projects where I did research early on where the research was foundational to the strategic direction a project was going to take. So we had this opportunity with Naphide as our client to, to help them to do a product launch within the US. It was a product line that existed elsewhere, but Naphide was kind of coming in as a distributing partner for a European brand. And we were going to do a little bit of intel in the market, go out and do some immersive qualitative in the market to understand what the distribution network thought about it, what were questions they had, and ultimately if if the data would lead us there to help to name this product for the U.S. so it was something that was going to resonate. And before I talk about that road trip that you ended up having to take on your own, talk a little bit about Napite as a client, because I know for both of us, both the company itself in terms of the values they stand for, the owners of the company, but then also the person we got to work with on a marketing standpoint as somebody you and I hold in very high esteem. So talk about why that was so inspirational to us. I feel like this could be an entire anthology for the podcast. So I will will do my best to, to keep it brief. It is a family owned company, but beyond being family owned, it is so much of a family dynamic. And why I think that's so important is that one, they were very welcoming to us. It wasn't a feel of like, you're going to come in a very into a very professional setting where it's sort of, we're on this side and you're on that side. Instead, it was a very ingratiating and welcoming environment from my earliest recollection. Another big part of it was that they gave us access and in some cases even encouraged us to interact with really high ranking individuals within the organization. They very much took an approach of, we want to do this right. And the only way we're going to do it right is, is if everyone within the organization has a voice or has the ability to weigh in. One particular individual that you had mentioned who we were fortunate enough to, to get an opportunity to work with, just an absolutely brilliant guy, has a background, very diverse background in sales and in marketing and kind of as, as he's grown, ha has sort of told the story of some of the evolutions in their company. But honestly, some of the opportunities that he gave us and some of the trust that he put in us I think it was really, really impactful to me that sometimes a person believing in you is enough for you to kind of do things that you may not even believe you can do yourself. And when I look back at some of the work we did for them in pretty quick time turnarounds, it, it, that may be a case. Of course, you're talking about Mandar Degay, who at the time oversaw marketing, but has since taken on the sales role too, in large part because of some of the work we got to do with him. But I love that you mentioned how much access they gave us and how honest they were. I think we felt that going into their building, but then being able to sit with the vice president of engineering and operations and IT, and you really get a well-rounded understanding. And for me, Jason, and I'm sure you agree, it's looking back at an experience like that where we probably talked to, what, 30, 40 internal stakeholders, sat through sales school, went out to the distributors. Like It made a really successful long-term partnership and made us such a better agency for them. Yeah, honestly... The number is the number is probably higher because we had individual or small group sit downs with 
with probably, like you said, 30 or so individuals or small groups. But then they also gave us the opportunity, which I was blown away. We met with two of their, two different groups from their, the manufacturing floor and had the opportunity to connect with them as well. And just the ability of a company to say, this is important enough that we are going to, we're going to pull people off of something that they're doing. That's also incredibly important, but we, we are showing that this is important enough to do that. I thought that was incredibly, incredibly telling. I also think, like you said, we got exposure to stuff through their, as you mentioned, whether it be their sales school program or on that project and other opportunities that came down the road to interact with people who aren't even necessarily their employees. They're part of the distribution channel. In some cases are independent businesses, but when we went into any of these places, we are coming in as an outsider and sometimes people kind of have their guard up. I never failed to be impressed with how much welcoming there was from each of these people that we were going into. And I think a large part of that is due to the access, but also the introduction that NAPI gave us. Yeah, absolutely. They put us in a position of success, right? They told anyone we were interacting with, they said, tell them the truth. That's yes. what's going to be most helpful. Give them the truth. I love that. And they invited us to be a part of their team. Very hands-on in the system. They invited us to their hospitality events. I can't remember how many trips to Indy we took together or watched the Beach Boys concert. But what I recall most from that time is the partnership you and I built. I felt like, and I still do today, we have this awesome mojo where I'm driving the conversation forward, but you're digging into the subject matter and helping me understand aspects of the business or operation that I just couldn't get my head around. And so I think that's where you and I really became very tight-knit. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I think that that last five seconds probably describes where we work at our best, that I, by nature, am a curious person. I like to dig and I like to explore. And at the same time, there are times where I have dug so deep that I'm just in my own little hole. And I think that you do a great job for pretty much anything that you take on to sort of drive and push forward and to keep everything moving. And and it doesn't matter if you've got one or a hundred things on track, they're all moving. So I think that the the good balance and the yin and yang there is that you're helping to set a pace to keep things moving forward. And at the same time, you have a very great knack of as I'm digging into things, knowing, oh, this could be something and pausing to let me explore that and to kind of scratch that itch. And it's it's worked out well so far. And I would also say that this project started to pivot the agency a little bit because I remember you and I building some discussion guides and getting some pushback at the time around why we were digging so deep into the operation side of the business when at the end of the day, we're a marketing communications firm. But I feel like you and I have always believed that we're solving business problems and we, if we can't understand what's under the problem. We can't communicate around it. Do you recall those conversations too? Oh, a hundred percent. And and I, I often answer that question when we get it with one of my favorite cliches of which I'm known to have one or two. Sometimes within an organization, PR under the guise of research is the most powerful tool. And so, yes, we need to gather the feedback. We need to understand from these team members who, who are living it every day. But at the same time, sometimes asking a handful of those questions, which may not seem like they directly impact marketing, but they underscore the importance or the value of that person's role to the entire process is critical. And, and I also think that it always is easier to tell a success story when you're successful. That work with NAPHIDE, we had great examples of people who, by asking a couple of those next level, deeper probing questions, they uncovered something that hadn't come out or that was important to explore. And then we could explore that with our next discussion. So 
incredibly important. And I think I would agree with you. It, it was probably a turning point in, in terms of the types of discussions or the types of areas that we, we would explore. Well, before we put a bow on kind of where we landed with Naphide, let's talk about the one road trip that I didn't get to go on with you and sort of what happened and why you had to go by yourself. So tell that part of the Naphide story. Ooh, okay. Well, so the first initiative that we, the first big initiative, I should say, that we were working on with Naphide early on, they were getting ready to bring to North America this joint venture, and we were going to kick it off with qualitative in-market. Uh, and so we had this whole thing mapped out perfectly. We were going to start out early on in, on Tuesday in the Kansas City area. We were going to spend two full days with distributors and dealers there, have a travel day, and then we'd spend two days in the St. Louis area, have everything laid out. And then on the Sunday, so the day before we were going to leave, that Sunday was the EF4 tornado that came through Washington and East Peoria and, and kind of rock central Illinois. And it affected so many people. It affected, to my knowledge, there were three Samanolites who, who were directly affected, but none more so than you. And so I, I vividly remember, and as you probably have heard in, in my story, I remember that I was the first person who actually got through to you that day, which still kind of blows my mind. But in that moment, I hope this goes without saying we were still getting to know each other in that moment. As soon as I realized what the situation was, I, I basically told you just stop thinking about work, stop talking like this is insignificant and and wanted to kind of move on from that filling any of the headspace. And so as the week played out for me, um, my head was fully in the work that we were doing, but my heart was my heart was back here in central Illinois. And there were so many people from Samantal who did phenomenal things. One of our coworkers at the time helped to organize the Washington recovery group that had, you know, a huge following on Facebook. So many Samantalites were literally dropping their day jobs and even trying to get in to help with the recovery. I mentioned in the story, first response team of America, they, they came to the area. There were so many things happening. But for me, it was kind of the, it was the juxtaposition of, I was finally getting to do what I was brought here to do in one of my first real immersive opportunities out on the road and wanting to do well by that. And at the same time, wishing I could be back with my colleagues. Well, before Jason wrote his point of pride, he reached out and asked me if I was comfortable with him sharing this part of the journey. And of course I was, because this, if I had to write my own point of pride would be it. When you lose your home in a tornado and every possession you have is gone, to have people show up for you in the way that Samantle showed up for me was huge. As Jason mentioned, our current COO, Jillian Light, um, lived about five houses down. She also lost her home. Samantle raised, I think, $10,000 for each of us between employees, clients, and people we didn't even know. There was a moment where my leadership drove up to the house I was staying at with boxes and Tupperware and gloves and garbage bags and all the things that you don't even know you need when you lose your home in a tornado, but your coworkers show up for you. So my point of pride would not be about the work. It would be about the way that we come together as a family and, and hard times. And 
I think we still do this for each other today, right? This was just sort of maybe the most visible <laughs> of the crises moments that we've experienced as a little Samantha family, but we always put the people before the work. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the idea of a work family has probably become overused in the marketplace. I truly don't think there's a place that I've worked before or that I've seen. I've never seen a culture where it is more true and more fitting. The way people rally around each other is, you know, it's second to none. And, and it is, it's also a gravitational pull. We participate as the researcher, we participate in, in various surveys about sort of employee satisfaction, or there's one we do annually for our association of agencies through Amen. And since I have been at Samantha, we've done it nine years. In nine out of nine years, when people say, what's the number one thing that you love about Samantha? It's the people. And that's, that's us saying that about our own company. And just like that, that culture, that dynamic, that cohesion, we do really, really good work. And I, I'm very proud of that. But that is a distant second to the people doing that really good work because they care just as much, if not more, about their coworkers, and they're willing to to go above and beyond for the people. We get to know each other sort of at this weird, deep personal level, right? Because we have these road trips and all this time together, and we have to fight it out in the work. So I love the part of your point of pride where you talk about the first time you saw me after the tornado, and you just ran up and gave me a giant hug. And I think that's so cool because people say to me all the time, like, Misty, I don't know how you guys do this, but like, you're able to talk about like loving each other at work. And that's not like HR friendly and things like that. But we really do. We love each other like family. I still can kind of visualize where in our office now. It's interesting how things kind of come full circle. But at the time that that was at the time that this was occurring, my office was down in the garden level. And I just I vividly remember coming in through the front door and walking straight down. And you were standing down towards kind of the the end where the cafe is. And I remember I just made a beeline and thankfully, right before I got there, you turned a little bit. Otherwise, it would have been like an awkward tackle from behind. <laughs> but it, it, it was just it was one of those things where it just felt like the right thing to do. I was so happy to see you. Just one of those memories. Well, you have continued to be, like I said, one of my very best friends, so much so that we, Jason and I had coffee the other morning and I dropped another bomb on him. So he's one of these people in my life that I can just dump on and he carries it. And I so appreciate that. Um, I also want to acknowledge though, in your story, you talk about that phone call where I, I did answer. And I remember that vividly. I was sort of traipsing back through the rubble, right? Like you couldn't even drive your car into the area because the devastation was for miles. And so I remember being all cut up, my jeans being cut up, and, and I see my phone ring. And you and Chris Main, our creative director, were the two people who got through to me that day. And I think it's interesting how you remember that I tried to talk about work. And I think that that is so true of our people, too, that even when we have life happening, right, we put the focus on our work and our clients first. And you acknowledge this quote from Theodore Roosevelt, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I, that stood out to me in your story because we care so freaking much about our clients and our work. And so many of the points of pride have talked about that. Talk about what that has meant to you, Jason, from a personal standpoint, since you do get to dig into the research and talk to people firsthand. I think for me, from a very early age, that I've always been a combination of curious and at the same time, 
passionate that once I find something, it's very hard for me to stop digging and to stop exploring. And at times that can be surprising to people, but it's always coming from a place of just wanting to make it better, wanting to improve. And so a lot of times in early relationships with whether it's clients or, or new coworkers, it can be a little bit, I'll say off-putting, right? People are surprised by just how, how much you care, but it is, it, it truly is from a place of caring. And so I've also had, NAPIDE was an example, but we've had other opportunities with clients where we came in for a project and they were really surprised by just that really thoughtful approach that we took and it grew relationships. You know, it grew to be something much larger because of just that desire to learn. And in terms of that quote from, from Roosevelt specifically, I think that there are, in fact, I know there are people who are better researchers. I know that there are people who do what they do better. I think where I want to focus and where I think that this is true across a lot of people from Samantha, I don't know that there is anyone out there uniformly who takes more pride in the success of their clients than we do. I think that we really do. Their successes, our successes is super true. We've had multiple clients. I, you know, I, I can say this confidently. We've had multiple clients who said, you seem like you care more about our work than we do, which I think is true. It certainly can be. And I think that's where we get sort of the satisfaction from our work. I do want to circle back, though, to NAPIDE. What I remember most and often talk with you about is that this was the project that really allowed you to stretch beyond research and really have a say in the strategy of an organization. And I think you see the legacy that you let left on this organization, even through their positioning statement, which is never subtle. One of the things Jason brought to the forefront at the end of this huge initiative where we did both qualitative and quantitative research was some real world perspective, right? He looked outside of the data that was right in front of him and said, hey, here's some context in the universe that you need to focus on. So Jason, talk about your role in that space. So many people in the organization pull you in just to pick your brain or say, what do you see here that we don't see? A lot of times you're solving problems, you're fixing things that break just because you're willing to take that wider lens. So what has that meant to your work in general, but then also to NAPIDE? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. So in the NAPIDE example that you were mentioning, after we went through that initial kind of joint venture, we got an opportunity to do some more work on the NAPIDE brand in more depth. We did really cool stuff, a lot of qualitative. We did quantitative across the entire distribution channel and with end customers. We did all this stuff and I mean, there was good data. It was kind of helping us to go somewhere, but there were also some, also some data points within the quantitative that were a little head scratching. I mean, this is a brand that enjoys quite a bit of market share within different verticals that they're in. And yet from an awareness perspective, it was, it was struggling quite a bit. And so one of those things was right before, this was probably the week before we were gonna present the results, we actually, we're kind of working through what's this going to be. And I was driving into work and I actually saw one of their trucks, as, as Mondar would say, I saw one of their trucks in the wild. There was a NAPIDE service body in front of me. It was a pretty new truck, but I had to get really close to it to verify it was NAPIDE because at the time the brand was just stamped into the tailgate. So I took some of the other competitors and I took pictures and literally we just had a slide in one of our presentations to them that showed what their mobile billboards, which is basically their product, what it looked like for customers. And it was like this really obvious and at the same time never had shown it this way data point where it's like, well, yeah, you guys have a huge market share and yet your competitors are more easily recognizable because you can read their name in contrast on the tailgate. 
to expand that out for how I interact with other, you know, with other projects, with other project teams, I think that sometimes people will, will ask me to come in to sort of take a second look or, or to sort of audit what they're, what they're looking at. And I love that. I'm blessed within my position to get to work with a lot of different project teams. And in some cases I'm leading a project, whether it be research or from an analytics perspective, but in other cases, getting brought into consult for 30 minutes or an hour and just, hey, what are your takeaways? What do you see? Sometimes that different perspective or thinking about it in a slightly different way, that's all that it will take for a team to kind of take it, run with it and build something truly great not that they wouldn't have gotten there on their own, but sometimes bringing someone in with a different perspective can help. Well, I know we all love your brain for that. I do want to talk a little bit, though, about how your role has evolved at Symantle. I have to give Jason a ton of credit. We brought him in as a sort of traditional market researcher, but then along the way, we thought, gosh, if you know how to use data, can you look at web data, marketing automation data. And he said, well, I've never done that before, but yeah, let me get in there. And he learned it from the ground up and really built our entire data and analytics team that exists today. One of the things I've learned about you, Jason, that I don't think people fully understand about your brain is how much you understand logic, right? It's not even about data or reporting. It's sort of your ability to do that if-then thinking, think through different scenarios, make sure the data is talking to each other and clean. So I would love for you to just share a little bit about that transition and some of the work that you've been most proud of even in the past couple of years. In terms of my role, I don't have like one singular day when that transition happened or kind of remembering one of these conversations. But one of the things I love about Symantle and that I've loved is there's opportunities everywhere. And when I kind of transition into having a bit more of a role in analytics, We'd had some personnel shifts, some people had left, there was an opportunity there. We were in a bit of a lull from a research perspective. Again, I love my cliches. I consider myself data source agnostic. If the data is, if it's good data and we have confidence in how we got the data, that is, that's all that matters. Whether it be from a research perspective, using data sets that were built by someone else, or in the case of analytics data, web analytics, marketing automation, media, all those things. The data is just there to help us to, to kind of craft the story, to find what it is that we need to do. I, I think for me, some of, the, some of the most exciting things have been opportunities for us to use the data to not only answer what happened, but to maybe set us up for what can we do or, or where should we go with these. We had a pretty cool example much later on, probably two to three years later on in our relationship with NAPIDE as they were transitioning, where we kind of took some of their early marketing automation data of people who had you know, provided forms or requests for information, and we laid that out. And then we tied that into our pretty deep understanding of their sales organization. So we could say, okay, within this region, this is how the leads are coming in. And so the leads are getting distributed out to these particular distributors. And then from those distributors, this is actually where the lead opportunities are. And just kind of as we took that 30,000 foot view and honed in on a particular region, could craft the story. And then because of the nature of the relationship we had, some of those individuals were in the room. And so it goes from like a conceptual thing to a pretty practical example where the data and the story that you're crafting becomes real. I think another one I would be remiss without talking about is, is an email program that we're running where 
I think at last count, I heard that we had 60 plus data sources that are being actively utilized. It's got all sorts of different logic and structure. And that program every three weeks is creating a new send and people based off of their most recent behavior are being reevaluated, potentially reassigned to new content. It took what seemed like this far off panacea and brought it, brought it into an actionable project. So that's another one that's been pretty cool. I'm glad you mentioned that. We had Alan on his point of pride and he talked about how much you two even had to collaborate from a dev space because you had to say like, what data can I tap into? And I just love that cross-functional nature of your role um, and how many people pull you in to pick your brain. As we're running short on time here, I want to end by asking you, 10 years in now at Symantle, you've had a lot of different kinds of experiences, obviously tons of awesome research and data projects, but what have you learned overall that's a piece of advice that you would like to pass on to maybe a new Symantleite or a client even that hasn't worked with us before? I'll start with new or future Symantleites. If you are seeing this recording, you already made the most important decision, which was to join the Symantle family but take every day and every opportunity as just that see it as an opportunity because if you make it to 10 years i can almost guarantee that you won't be doing the exact same thing or in the exact same way 10 years on i mean for me that probably applied within 10 minutes but it's it's the kind of place where responsibility begets responsibility so if you show you can do a little the sky's the limit on where you could go For clients, I I hope, my sincere hope is that the level of care and passion that this place has for for pretty much everything that we take on is something that that is going to work well for you, that you're going to feel, that you're going to enjoy. And also know that we've gotten to do some really cool things for other people, but we don't see your situation as exactly the same. We're going to do that same deep dive and digging into your situation to make it the best possible for you. Both good nuggets, Jason. All right, last question for you. What are you most excited about for the future, either for the company or for you and your role specifically? This is no bull, the truth. I'm excited for tomorrow because it's another opportunity to do to do something really cool. Maybe literally tomorrow, I've got some meetings on my calendar and I know what to expect, but I'm always excited for for what's next and what could be. I think by this point, My next thing will probably involve data in some form or fashion, but what else it is or how it's being used, I don't entirely know. And for me, that's really exciting. That's so cool. Well, I have to end by just bragging on you a little bit. What Jason didn't talk about today is just what a giver he is. Um, He recently did a fundraising campaign in the office, raised like $2,500 literally in a day um, just by being who he is and coming up with a really creative way to get people engaged in our personality profiling. He's a helper. He's a loyalist. He's somebody that I count on to get on the bus and be a cheerleader after, of course, he's pulled the brakes on me 10 times to tell me to slow down. So Jason, you are somebody that is a Samanalite through and through. I could not be more thankful for your friendship and for you sharing your point of pride. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything. Absolutely. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. November 17th, 2013 is a day I will certainly never forget, but I'll also remember the good that came out of that disaster. 
The culture at Symantle has come up a lot through these Point of Pride episodes. It's something that I'm very proud of and love to share. We're passionate about what we do, but we're also passionate about helping one another be our best, personally and professionally. To hear more Symantle Point of Pride stories, go to marketingsweats.com or wherever you get your podcasts and check out the rest of the episodes in our very special season six. You can hear more from Jason about his Point of Pride by visiting the 40-ish anniversary page on Symantle.com. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.